Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. It's important to note, because I think sometimes people, I don't know what the thoughts they get in their mind, but whenever worship is ending, the reason that we're clapping is we're clapping for the Lord. We're not clapping for the band. Does that make sense? It, when, when Pastor Tim, Paul, myself, whoever, Chloe, whoever's preaching, at the end when we clap, it's not for us, it's for the word that has gone forth. It's for, it's for him, it's for the Lord. Then when me or Tim or Paul or Chloe, whoever turns and then honors the band, it's then okay to honor. It, we've got to be careful that we don't turn it into a concert, right? It's like, all right, Brandon really shredded that guitar. All right, Lucas, you sang my favorite song. Hey, we got to be careful that we don't let it turn into that. Um, or if you've never been in this type of worship setting before, that you understand that no, we're not up here um, cheering on the band. It's okay to honor people. It's okay to give people applause. But as worship is ending and as we're wrapping up that praise moment, we are giving praise to the Lord. So anyway, just that was free tonight. That's not a part of my word at all. Just had that thought as we were coming out here and then bragging on the band and all that stuff. So anyway, turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Tonight, I want to talk about saving faith as our theme this year is live by faith. I, I really thought it was important. Let's start this year um, defining uh, what faith is. And, and, and if it's as we as believers, if we're going to live by it, well, what is it? And, and I think it's easy to come into these situations and go like, oh, like I know that. I get that. Yeah, that's faith. But it's honestly easy, though, is like we all have this proclivity to be a hobby horse um, where we um, jump into the, into scripture and we want it to say what we want it to say. And then we're always looking for like what interests us in the scripture all throughout. And sometimes we, we move away from like seeing it broadly or seeing it as a whole. And it's not that we preach the same things over and over again, because you don't know, but it's because we all leak. Does that make sense? And so as we come into this and it's like, okay, like I know what saving faith is. I know faith and works are married together. I, I, could, I can quote James 2 to you as well. And it's, but, but that's not the right attitude to have about it as a believer. As a believer, we come in and we sit down and we open the word and we go, okay, why do I need to hear this again? Lord, I know I've heard this a hundred times. Speak to me through this text tonight. And it has that same life-giving power as when you first heard it. Amen? Okay, so let's dive in here. James chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. Read along with me. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. 
Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so, so faith is dead without good works. And I think the natural inclination as we read this is, okay, let's get to work. What are the works that I need to work on? Give me the to-do list. Give me the do's and the don'ts and the 25, 25 things that I need to do. What are the works? Just give me the do's and the don'ts of Christianity and let me help us all with that. That's not the right way to think about it. It's not because we've got to understand that, that faith and what we're talking about tonight is, is not about what you do and don't do in order to live by faith. It's about what he did and his finished work and who he says you are. And as you come into that revelation, he is the igniter of faith that then produces good works. Because if we turn it into a do's and don'ts list, then, it, then we turn it into what, how can I stay in right relationship with God? What must I do and not do to stay in right so that he'll approve of me, so that he'll accept me, so that he'll love me, and you get caught up in a works consciousness. And that's not what living by faith is. <clears throat> we must know it's not salvation and then a to-do list because salvation is not something that you work to keep. It's yours. It's been given to you. James is not arguing over what works to do or what works are. He's arguing what real faith is. Amen. He's arguing what real faith is. So I want to make this clear up front. As we start this year, we are not saved by works. Thank God. We are not saved by works. We are saved by faith. Ephesians chapter two, familiar passage to all of us. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine says, it is for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. By grace alone, through faith alone, not by anything that we've done. Salvation is not earned. It can never be earned. It can only be given. Now this is Paul writing this and I want to break this down because, because a lot of times you look on the surface of James and then you look on the surface of some of Paul's teachings and they seem to contradict each other. They seem to go against each other. So let's kind of break it down because uh, at first glance it may be a, a little bit confusing, but the, James, the apostle James and the apostle Paul are not at odds. They're actually complementing each other. They're bringing us a fuller, clearer picture of what real faith, good works, and salvation actually is. Because if you just go in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, read verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul and James are not working against each other, but rather bringing a tension together. They definitely agree. Paul was adamant about Gentiles not being saved by obeying the Jewish law. Because you kind of had this tension here because James was the apostle and he was the apostle, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So he had mainly Jews in his congregation, but they were kind of taking their new faith and freedom and liberty in Christ to, so we can just do whatever we want. And James is like, no, that's not the way that works. And, and, and then on the other hand, Paul is going to all these Gentile churches. He's planting all these Gentile churches and they're go, but then you've got these Judaizers who are coming in who are already following the Judas religion. And they're saying, yeah, you got, you got to put your faith in Jesus, but then you got to obey these things about the Mosaic law. And Paul's going, no, like that's not, that's not it at all. That's not how this thing works. And so they're both very, being very adamant about we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. 
Galatians 5, 6, this is Paul writing. He says, for we place our faith in Jesus. There is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So what James and Paul are both gonna show us tonight is that true faith leads to a transformed life that is marked by love for God and his people, okay? Paul understood the necessity of works and proving the character of our faith in Titus 3, 8. I know I'm shooting a lot of Bible verses at you. You may just wanna jot them down and go back and look over them later. Uh, he says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain their good works. You go to Romans chapter three though. He says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. But you go on to verse 29 and 31. He says, after all, is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God and he makes people right with himself by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. How do we truly fulfill the law when we have faith? Because we have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and he transfers his righteousness to us. Thank God. I don't know if you've ever read the law in Leviticus, but thank God because none of us could uphold and follow that law completely, but Christ did and he transferred his righteousness to us so that we could become a new creation. Now, but you get to this place, though, where Paul does in Romans, Romans chapter 6, where he asks the questions, so does that mean that we get to do whatever we want? Does that mean that we could continue on in our sin? And he says, of course not. And we've got to know as believers that just because what Paul says in Romans that we're dead to the law, we're actually now held to a higher standard because we now have the Spirit on the inside of us. Don't think that the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life and then continue to allow you to live like the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We are now, we no longer are living under the law. We live under grace, but we have the, it's God's grace now that empowers us to obey him, to obey him. Paul shows us that it's by faith that we can truly fulfill the law. Uh, last one, last verse I'm going to give you here. I got more, but I've been reading a lot. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 14 through 17 says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So like, you wanna know if you're a true believer or not? Have you died to your old life and now your goal every day is I want to live like Christ. Not this begrudging submission of like, oh, like I've gotta obey him, but like, man, I love him and I wanna do what he's called me to do. That's what faith does in our hearts, the faith that God gives us. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become. So James and Paul agree that the word of truth brings salvation and transformation. So James is not contradicting the Apostle Paul. James is merely clarifying for us the kind of faith that saves. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, but saving faith will have works that accompany it. I love this saying here. 
And I could just say this, and we could just call it a night. But I'm a preacher, and I got a lot more to say. So (laughs) this right here, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. It has good works with it. Faith, and I can't, that didn't, I I didn't come up with that. I think that was like Charles Spurgeon or something. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. It has good works with it. So we must know that works accompany a genuine faith because genuine faith is always connected to a new life, to regeneration, to transformation, to being born again, to becoming a new creation. So here's the deal. If there is no evidence of a new life, then there is no genuine saving faith. If there is not evidence of a new life, then there is no genuine saving faith. Charles Spurgeon also said this, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. What kind of grace leaves you bound in sin? I don't want that grace. I was needy, I was lonely, I was addicted, I was fearful, I was depressed, I was bitter, I was angry. I needed something to set me free from that, not continue in that mess. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. The hard thing that James is doing here is trying to show us that faith, that when we talk about real saving faith, that it includes good works in it. It's a faith that produces works. He's not arguing that works must be added to faith. (laughs) We don't get saved to get to work on our works. He's arguing, he's arguing that those who have been saved, that good works will be a byproduct of being saved. So what is faith? Genuine biblical faith will inevitably be characterized, characterized by works, but genuine faith, if you define just simple faith, it's trusting and obeying God. I put my trust in him. I begin to obey him. I begin to follow him. Faith is simply believing God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what faith is. Okay? Well, then what are the works accompanied with that faith? Jesus made it simple. Matthew chapter 22. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This, in the first, this is the first and greatest commandment, a second equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So all this law, all the law hangs on these two commandments. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Those are the good works that we've been saved for. How do you love God? You obey him. You pursue him, you surrender to him. And listen, if you love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, guess what takes care of itself? Loving your neighbor as yourself. So if you do the first one, guess what? Second one comes automatically. And listen, it's just an, it, as we love God with all that we are, it just naturally becomes a part of our life. Like when I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I don't struggle to love my kids. I don't struggle to love my spouse. I don't struggle to love my students. I don't struggle to love my neighbor. I don't struggle to love the people that I come in contact with because as I love him and as I I pursue this relationship with him, he has transformed my heart, transforming my heart, and I begin to see people the way that he sees people. And it becomes an easy thing. It's not a to-do, it's not a do and do not list. It's, man, I, I have been born again. How do you, Jesus described to Nicodemus, it's just like the wind, man. I just listen to his voice every single day. 
and I go where he tells me to go, and I stay where he tells me to stay, and I talk to who I tell. But it's got, but it's got to be this not just compartmentalized Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing. It's that I'm living in communion and in relationship with him. And that as I walk everywhere that I go in my life, in my job, with my family, everywhere that I go in my community, that I'm aware that he is with me and that he's speaking to me. And as I see people, I see them the way that he sees them. And it begins to download things into my spirit and I begin to speak things over people. That's what faith does. That's what living by faith looks like. It looks like being a person who puts their sails up and allows the wind of God to blow on you. That'll preach. But understand what God is looking for is progress, not perfection. How many of us could say, you know what, this week I loved God and people perfectly. If you raise your hand, you're not loving him perfectly because you're bearing false witness. And I know where Revelation says that liars go. I'm kidding. Kind of. I loved God and loved people perfectly. Like, right? Like, we all know that we'd be better at that. Right? There were a few days we're like, I didn't, sh- I, I should have spent time in the word and I didn't, right? There were times where I'm like, man, I should have, I should have spent that time alone with him and, or, and I hit the snooze button or like a whatever. Like there were some things that I could have done to love him better and I could have loved some people better, right? I have a hard time even loving Christians well. Come on. How many of you, there's some Christians you don't like? Okay, if you don't have your hand up, you're a liar. Okay, well, here's a, what you also need to know. Is there, you're a Christian that other Christians don't like. So don't test yourself based on the way that you're loving people that you like. Test yourselves the way that you're loving people that you don't like. Jeesh. Because, listen, Jesus, he's our example, he's our leader, we're following him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Come on. Judas was walking with him every day, Jesus knowing what Judas was going to do the whole time. Blah. Goodness gracious. But he's not, looking, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. No one is in here saying they've loved God and people perfectly. We all confess to falling short, but that's the amazing thing about faith because I still have the righteousness of God. And when you get pierced with the righteousness of God, when I'm pierced with it, what Galatians says, my heart gets pierced with the righteousness of God, I realize that I'm his son and his daughter no matter what. It stirs me up to do good works. Because he's awesome, and I'm not. And I want to tell people how awesome he is. And do you know what it is when I tell people how awesome he is and I treat people how God sees them? That's doing the works that faith has started in me. See, it's this overflow. It's not this begrudging submission of like, oh, man, I've got to love people today. Better get to work on it. Real faith leads to real good works. Real faith leads to an ongoing, growing love for God and others. Works do not add to our faith or create our faith or save us. But a faith that, the whole point tonight is a, a faith that produces good works is real saving faith. James makes three points. I'm doing good on time. It's only 742. 43. I got 17 minutes. James is proving that real faith includes works and he points out three things, okay? The first thing is he says, faith without works, one, is useless. Verses 14 through 17, 
What good is it if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? What kind of faith saves, how can that save anyone? You see your brother or sister with no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good is that? So you see that faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead. So he's not, and listen, he's not talking about somebody who's, you know, well, I love that Walmart sells Reebok now. I do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm so cheap. I am cheap, buddy. You can ask my wife. I will wear this. I will wear these same black shoes until they literally fall off my feet. And I will wait till she buys me another pair. I just, I can't. I hate spending money on like on stuff, but, but, but he's not talking. To, I make that point because he's not talking about somebody who's wearing Walmart clothes and they don't have their Gucci clothes on. Like, oh man, they can't afford, you know, a $4 million mansion to live in. They're living in a double wide. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people who have fallen on serious hard times, like serious hard times. And, and really, he, he's probably talking about persecuted Christians at this time who have fallen on really hard times that we know nothing about, that where everything, ha everything has been taken from them. They literally don't. But, but what's incredible about the New Testament church is they would literally take their stuff that they needed and sell it so that they could give to others in the church that had absolutely nothing. The New Testament church was marked at this time during persecution that if they knew that there were other people going without meals, then they would go without a meal so they could afford to buy a meal for someone else. So he's not talking about that you will, man, they've only got Walmart clothes. Like got clothes, okay? Like I, it's not, he's talking about people who have fallen on some serious hard times here. People falling on hard times and then we just say, cool, hope it works out for you, buddy. Be warm and blessed. <laughs> he's saying that's useless. It doesn't help anybody. And we've got to understand as believers, we have not been blessed just to make our lives better. We have primarily been blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And you see this all the way back in the Old Testament. The reason that Abraham was blessed was to be a blessing to others. <clears throat> when you have true saving faith, when you love God and his people, you will use what you've been blessed with to help those around you to build the kingdom. And if, you're, if, if you get into this, like, well, James is arguing that works, you, you, know, works, you need works to be saved, all he's doing is mirroring what, Je what Jesus taught. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 25, where he says, you saw me hungry and you didn't feed me, you saw me thirsty. And, and, and listen, just word of the wise, this is not necessarily even talking about somebody that's standing downtown holding a sign asking for a $20 bill. And I'm just going to give you, and listen, my heart breaks for those people. I love those people. Those people need you to share Jesus with them more than they need you to share $20 with them. And you may think I'm hard, but listen, give them $20 and follow them. Because if you give them $20, you probably bought liquor or you probably bought crack. And I hate it for them. I don't want, I don't want it, but I don't, I'm not gonna enable that person by giving them money. It gets quiet when you start talking about stuff like that. Goodness gracious. And then you go to Matthew 25 when he talks about, I was hungry, you didn't feed me, I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. You study that, Jesus isn't really talking about non-believers either. He's talking about persecuted pastors actually. He's talking about persecuted shepherds. He's talking about persecuted believers. <laughs> Crazy when you read things in context. Now, 
can we give to unbelievers and show them the goodness of God and that being a drawing agent for the Spirit? Absolutely, and I think that you should. I think that we should all for sure do that. But at the same time, on the other hand, you've got to know who you're given to and what you're given to. Okay? That was free teaching moment. I felt my just Pastor Tim anointing coming on. What I love about Pastor Tim, uh, last week, was it last week that Alvin spoke? Our, our missionary from Honduras, Poppy Alvin? Okay, what I, what I love about uh, Pastor Tim's testimony with, with Alvin is, is a, a massive hurricane um, missed Belize. We prayed for it to miss Belize back in the day, and it hit Honduras, like devastated Honduras. And Tim was moved because he saw people rejoicing that it missed Belize, but he saw the devastation that it, called to Hon- that it caused to Honduras. And compassion welled up in his heart that he went and bought a plane ticket the next day and flew down to Honduras without knowing anybody there and just went to go see how he could help. And through God-ordained appointment, he met Alvin, and now we've been supporting Alvin for 20-plus years. And if you've never been to Honduras to help Alvin, you need to go because it's absolutely incredible. My guy don't go to the ritzy parts of town. He goes to the parts of town where you're, like, worried, like, I'm going to get shot tonight. I'm going to get – like, he goes to, like, the sketchy parts of town. And he's going and reaching the poorest people in Honduras, and he's giving a lot of people and kids the only meal that they're going to get that day. And listen, a percentage of your tithe and your offering go to him every single week. And so like, it's an, it's an incredible work that we're doing down there. But what if Tim just thought, no, we'll just send them thoughts and prayers, good vibes to Honduras. James is saying that is not faith. What was faith is what, caught, is what stirred Tim up to compassion where he then said, I'm gonna do something about that. That's what real faith is. Faith without works is useless to everyone. It doesn't help God doesn't help the, pe- the people that are in need, and it doesn't help you. Faith without works is useless to the one in need and to the one who has much. Why? Because you have much to help the one in need. And listen, do you just, like, do you feel awesome when you get to go, you, you just blow a bunch of money on yourself and you get to do all, all your self-love and all your self-care? You just feel so, oh, I just feel so great worshiping myself? No. It leaves you feeling empty. It leaves you feeling empty. What is it that fulfills you when we give to those who are in need? And so you see, it, faith with works even does something on the inside of you. God created you to be that way. It brings you life when you help and bless those around you. When we are generous, our soul comes to life. We figure out the reason that we're alive. This number two, y'all let me spend way too much time on that one. Number two, it cannot save Faith without works cannot save. Uh, James sets up a hypothetical argument here with someone to prove his point. He says that someone, someone would say that you have faith and I have works, but James makes the point that our works prove our faith. He's saying, okay, you just have faith. Well, show me, show me your faith. You can't just say that you have it. You have to show it to me. Um, it, it, classic example that I've seen is like, is, is if you have a chair and you say, I believe that the chair can hold me, but then I refuse to sit in it. Everybody in this room came down and you sat in these chairs because you had faith that they would hold you. Now, the old chairs that we used to sit in in the gym, that was, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> you just never knew with those chairs. You never knew if they were gonna give out on you. Not, not a whole lot of faith in those, right? But these chairs, like you had faith in it, so you sat down in them. Okay, the same thing in our relationship with God. We show that we trust him by obeying him. We show that we trust him by obeying him. He says in verse 19, even the demons believe there's a God and they shudder. 
And so here's what we have to know. Intellectual agreement that God is real is not saving faith. Just because we believe that God is real, that is not necessarily real faith. Real faith is much more than intellectual agreement. It is putting our trust in God. It is going all in on him and it's turning our lives over to him. We can have correct doctrine and not have salvation. We can have correct doctrine and not have salvation. We can believe all the right things about God and Jesus and the Bible and not be saved. We really can. We can believe all those things about him and not be saved. If there is not real love for God or for people, then there is no real salvation. Not perfect love, not you got all your stuff together, but progress in love, progress in relationship. It would be just like believing that a chair will hold me and never sitting in it. It's like believing God is real, but never surrendering my life to his lordship. So faith alone saves, but that faith is not alone. And then he uses two examples, and I love the two examples that he uses. He uses Abraham, no surprise, father of faith, right? If you went to Sunday school in the 90s, the first thing that comes to mind is father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And if you're looking at me like I'm crazy, it was crazy. It's a miracle that anybody got saved in the 90s, okay? <laughs> that is one of many horrible songs. I look at the songs now that my kids get to grow up on, and like it's so much more amazing than what I had. So goodness gracious, sorry. If, if you love the church in the 90s, God bless you. Um, Abraham, no surprise, father of Israel, friend of God. He proved his faith to God by his obedience, revealed that he trusted by, it revealed that he trusted by God, by his actions, by what he did, by offering up Isaac when God told him to. He trusted God. He took the promise, the dream, up the mountain, laid him on the altar, right? Incredible, amazing man of faith. All the Jews were like, yeah, like Abraham is our guy. Like he's the man, rock and roll. Like we're a child of him. Like they had all these boastful things to say about Abraham. Awesome. Okay, I love that. I love the example that he uses, but I also love the example that he uses. Number two, Rahab. (laughs) I love that he uses Rahab here because this woman is the opposite of what Abraham was. The prostitute, the pagan, the Gentile. Not only is she not Jewish, but she was a pagan prostitute. That is in stark contrast to what Abraham was. <laughs> and it's such an amazing thing. And I'm gonna try not to cry here. Hold it in, Josh. It's such an incredible thing because you think about Rahab and you think about her story and you think about what she did. You think about her, her growing up where she did and, and, and listen, like, we've got to know like no little girl grows up dreaming about being a prostitute. No little girl looks in the mirror when they're young and thinks, man, I can't wait to sell my body one day. And oftentimes it happens happens because of horrible, demonic, evil abuse at the point that women no longer consider themselves valuable. How lowly she would have been viewed And just think about the the evil demonic abuse that she must have endured. And and just thinking about Rahab, and and, and they would have heard, they would have known, these people of Jericho, there's an army coming. And they would have been fearful because they would have heard about the things that he did, about what their God did. But this thing gets initiated, faith on the inside of her, and says, what if that God loves me? (laughs) What if that God can set me free? 
She's heard about how powerful he was with other people. What if I could be that? And so she saves the spies in Jericho. She recognizes the God of Israel is the one true God. And she didn't just say it. She did something about it, right? And then she leaves the little scarlet thread out the window and they're able to save her. How simple was Rahab's obedience? A totally messed up life. And it was one small step of faith that saved her. One small step of faith and she was saved. Faith without works cannot save. And guess what? This is the really incredible part about Rahab is that she's in the lineage of Jesus. Man. So listen, and, 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 and both of us probably, we probably could identify with either one of these tonight, right? So like some of us have been raised in church, maybe didn't, maybe didn't grow through a lot of sin, maybe wasn't, maybe didn't, you know, we were never addicted, we were never whatever, but we grew up kind of godly, awesome person. Um, and then some of us, on the other hand, we grew up very worldly, very addicted, maybe, maybe and even come from like a really awful, terrible background. But, but understand, Rahab and Abraham both need faith to be saved. And God's no respecter of persons. Abraham was not more valuable than Rahab. Abraham was not easier for, for God to save than Rahab was. And so, like, wherever you're at tonight, all it takes is one small step of obedience and that shows that you have faith in him and he comes running down that road to welcome you with open arms. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God will save anybody. We just have to take the one small step that he calls us to take. And he will come with an entire army to save you from fortified walls, from evil forces that you have found yourself bound to. And guess what? He will make you a part of his family. How beautiful is the gospel of Jesus. James shows us the simple gospel of putting our faith in God from two opposite ends of the spectrum. One grew up following God and one grew up far away from God. One grew up knowing everything about God and one grew up knowing nothing. One grew up hearing God and seeing God and one grew up in abuse and depravity. Both were in need of a faith that saved. Both needed Jesus. Abraham needed Jesus just as much as Rahab. We need Jesus just as much as an unbeliever needs Jesus. You and I need Jesus just as much as the Muslim needs Jesus. You and I need Jesus just as much as the most dirty, rotten, heathen in the world needs Jesus. We all have to have Jesus. This is what living by faith looks like. It's recognizing that I need him every day, step by step. We all need Jesus. Faith in God is not a bunch of quit doing this and start doing this. Faith in God is that he sees me, he loves me, he pursues me, he chases me, and I put my trust in him. Love God with all that you are. Listen, you love God with all that you are and the do's and do nots take care of themselves. They really do. If you love God with everything you are, the do's and don'ts take care of themselves. Number three, faith without works is dead. He says it twice in verse 17 and verse 26. He's saying faith without works is not faith at all. Just as you are not alive without breath, neither is faith alive without works. Therefore, it is not faith at all. And so 
My ending point here tonight is that a, a Christian with real faith is going to produce fruit. A Christian with real faith is going to produce fruit. If there is no fruit, there is no faith. Well, what's fruit? Let's start with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's start with the fruit of the Spirit. Are you bearing that fruit? And listen, <laughs> it's as easy as this. Like, well, I really need to work on patience. That's not exactly how it works. I'm going to work really hard on my self-control this week. Right? I'm going to be better at being gentle. And it's like, can you loosen your hands? Like, calm down. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have joy. Okay. He's comparing it to fruit. He's comparing it to trees. Fruit don't give lives to trees. Fruit is a sign of life. But where does the life come from? Roots, the things that nobody sees. And I'll, I want to say this too, not just the roots, and, it, and really the life didn't even come from the roots. It comes from the source that the roots are drawing from. I'll, I'll say this, we all have roots. They just may not be in the right place. We all have roots. They may, not just, be in the, they may just not be planted in the right place. If our roots were trying to draw the fruit of the Spirit from our bank account, from our job security, from our family, from our phone, from our social media influence, from our fill in the blank, that's not the source. And so you're going to be really bad at the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to be really bad at good works if you're trying to draw nutrients from anything but Him. If you're not bearing fruit, it's not a fruit problem. You have a root problem or you have a where your roots are planted problem. Environment is important. Good word is important. Seed. Good soil is important. But you know what else is important? Environment. You have, there are good seed, there are good Florida orange, orange tree seeds and there is good soil in Iowa but you're not going to grow the same oranges in Iowa that you do in Florida it's good soil, good word environment matters environment matters who are you positioning yourself around are you in church on Sunday morning Wednesday night, is your family there where are your kids in school? Where do they go for daycare? Where are you, what kind of environment do you put yourself in? What kind of friends do you allow to feed yourself? Are they, do they have their roots in God's word? That'll preach, okay? Psalms 1, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted among, along the riverbank, bearing fruit, sometimes, each season. Each season, their leaves never whiz, whiz blah, 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 blah. Their leaves never, oh, I need a, a tongues interpreter now. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Where are you planted? 
Where are you planted? John 15, abide in me, remain in me. If you're apart from me, you can't produce good fruit. But if we remain, if we abide, then the fruit will produce. Remain in him and you will produce good fruit. Put your faith, your trust in Jesus, obey him and works and fruit, guess what? Just come, they'll just be natural. You won't even have to aim at it. So faith, what's real faith? How do we produce, how do we have good works? How do we produce good fruit? We fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author, the initiator and the perfecter of our faith, amen? Okay, I could talk all night, but I'm gonna let you go. Close your Bibles, your notes, stand with me, let's pray. 8.03, I thought about keeping you till about 8.45, but I've got four kids. And now I know why Paul and Tim were always so adamant about being done right at eight o'clock. Because we got bath time and food time and all the times and they got school tomorrow. <laughs> James 1, don't be hearers of the word, be doers. Real belief requires real action. Real faith requires or produces real works. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you are the initiator of our faith. We thank you so much that you have gifted faith to us through grace alone. We thank you that you've given us a great faith, Lord, that, that we can grow in. Lord, that you're not so thankful you're not looking for perfection. I'm so thankful that the perfection and the performance was found in Jesus and it was fulfilled in Jesus. And now I have his righteousness. And as I have put my faith in him, as I've been pierced by his righteousness, covered with his righteousness, now I can live the life that you've called me to live because I believe you are who you say you are and you're gonna do what you say you're going to do. Lord, right now I just uh, I ask that this, this word tonight would, would hit good soil. And that anyone who has been caught up in a works consciousness, maybe even a legalism consciousness that are seeking to be approved by you or loved more by you, that they would know this in this moment, that they are loved 100% how they are right now in this moment. And that you also love them how they are right now in this moment too much to leave them where they are. But it's not by their works that they're going to get to where you want them to be. It's by them putting their faith in you, lest any man should boast that you're going to get them to where they're called to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that I cannot grow in righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that I am completely righteous always and forever. And what that has done in my heart has caused me to grow from glory to glory, being transformed into your image. God, I thank you for these people here tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us, that you would empower us to live the life you called us to live, that we would shine bright to our families, in our workplaces, in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday, church. Love you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.